look at every verse we read, which uh, sure sounds like a long message, but don't worry, it's not. Pastor has said so many times before, but the reason I joked about closing comments a minute ago is, is uh, Brother Charlie the other night probably preached for, what, 40, 45 minutes? But he insisted he wasn't preaching. He just kept saying, closing comments, closing comments. And uh, asked Brother Charlie, hey, Brother Harding the other night, hour and a half, amen. So uh, if it goes 30 minutes this morning, you can praise the Lord for your pastor. All right? Let's pray. Father, speak to our hearts this morning. Please help us to see some great words from truths from your word. Help us to fit it, help it, Lord, to fit all together. And uh, use me, I pray, for thy glory. Fill me with thy spirit, I pray, in spite of me, Lord. I pray that you would please bless in a big way your word today for our benefit and for your glory. In Christ's name we pray, amen. I want you to notice, we're going to start right off at verse number 13 of Galatians chapter 5. And the first part of the verse. For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. I want you to notice, first of all, the privilege of spiritual liberty. If for no other reason, when you read the books of Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, read them, read them because you're supposed to, but boy, sometimes when you're reading through Leviticus, or you're reading some of the laws in the latter part of Exodus, and you're going, boy, I needed something from God today, and <laughs> this sure, this sure is, 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 it's good, I'm glad God wrote it, but can't exactly say it's blessing my heart. Well, if you can't get any other blessing out of those passages as you read them, be reminded, these are the things that I don't have to do. Because I have liberty through Jesus Christ. Now, wait a minute. I'm not talking about the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not kill. Oh, I don't have to obey that because I'm, I have liberty. No, that's, that's foolish. I'm talking about uh, all kinds of laws. About uh, the, the, your property and your neighbor's property and, and uh, things you own and things he owns and how you interact and just all kinds of details. Remind yourself, these are things that I don't have to do because Jesus has given me liberty through the cross. As you read all about, oh, if you commit this sin, you've got to bring these animals. And if you commit this sin, you've got to bring these kind of animals. If you commit this sin, you've got to, you've got to bring these kind of animals. If you commit this sin, you say, Pastor, all right, we got the idea. I don't know if we have the idea of just how much liberty we have in Jesus Christ. You didn't have to bring some turtle doves to church with you this morning. And praise the Lord, I didn't have to wring their necks and pour their blood into a basin. You have liberty in Jesus Christ. And so when you read Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, you go, man, i got to tell you, this is getting a little tedious Stop and praise the Lord that you don't ignore those things. There's a reason to read them. They do teach you a lot about the character of God, but you don't have to live under those things because you have liberty. I'll go a step further. You don't have to live your life in fear of breaking 
the law of God. Now, should you strive to keep the law of God? Absolutely. Why? If you love me, keep my commandments. But you don't have to live in fear of what happens if you fail. That is liberty. Amen? That is liberty. And so the first part of thirteen, verse 13 tells us the privilege of spiritual liberty. We're not bound by the law. The second part of verse 13 tells us the danger in spiritual liberty. Look at it. It says, only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh. The danger is to take advantage of our liberty. Anytime you have uh, liberty, there is always the risk of abusing it. And that's what he's saying here. Praise God for the privilege of liberty through Jesus Christ. But be careful of the danger of abusing it. We're seeing a lot of that in Christianity. And it's no mystery then that we're seeing a lot of that in our culture. Christians have all of a sudden decided Christian liberty means I can do what I want and still go to heaven. Now, is that an accurate statement? If you're saved, yes, it is. Is that a scriptural philosophy? No, it's not. Show me the verse that says anything close to encouraging us to think, I can do whatever I want and still go to heaven. Is it true? Yes, it is. Does the Bible encourage us to let that be our guiding principle? No. The Bible says only use not liberty as an occasion to the flesh. So there's a danger here. The danger with all liberty is that it will be abused. When you give your own kids liberty, there's always the risk that they'll abuse it. And God gives us the liberty and says, now be careful, don't don't abuse it. Paul said in Galatians 2.20, I do not, I think it's 2.21 actually, I do not frustrate the grace of God. Romans 6 talks about, shall we sin because we're not under the law but under grace? God forbid. Anytime you have liberty, there is the risk of abuse. And he warns us here, be careful that uh, do not use liberty as an occasion of flesh. So we see the privilege of spiritual liberty. We see the danger that comes with spiritual liberty. But look at what the focus of spiritual liberty is supposed to bring. The end of verse 13. But by love, serve one another. God didn't let me out of sin's prison so I could go and sin some more. He let me out of sin's prison so I could go and serve. That'd be a good place for us to stop for a while. We're not going to, but that'd be a good place for us to stop for a while. God didn't let me out of sin's prison so I could go and sin some more. Will I sin more? Yes, I will. Should I make that my life's purpose? Absolutely not. That's abusing the grace of God. Will he forgive me if I, if I do? Yes, he will. Will he still love me if I do? Yes, he will. He's your father. You're his child. But is that why he set you free? Absolutely not. What did he set me free to do? To love you. To serve you. So he said, I didn't set you free to abuse my grace. I set you free so that you could love one another. 
Verse 14. One principle that will guide you in your liberty. This is great. Here's what he's saying. You're trading all those laws for one principle. And here's that one principle, verse 14. For all the laws fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. You say, Pastor, that's not one word. It's a word as in, have you ever been in a testimony meeting where the way they said it was, does anybody have a word tonight? And nobody stands up and goes, tree. <laughs> you stand up and you testify. And that's what he's saying here. It's all revealed in this one simple concept, this one simple idea. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. By the way, do you know that that is the most Old, the, the Old Testament verse that is most often quoted in the New Testament, love thy neighbor as thyself. So one principle guides us in liberty. Then in verse 15, he warns us of the result of ignoring that principle. Verse 15, but if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. We, as Americans, and, and the way we think, we always want to see all of our options, and we want to know the downside. What if I opt out of this? And, you know, when I, when I uh, sit and, and, you know, getting our phones upgraded or something, and a guy's talking 90 miles an hour, and, and Amy's there as my translator, what did he, what did he mean by that? I don't get that. I, and, uh, and he talks to you. You know how salesmen do. They, they, um, they talk to you as if you're going to do this. As if it's just assumed that you're going to do this because you'd be out of your mind to not do this. So let me talk to you like, I already know you're going to do this. And then he gets done with his spiel and I say, what's the downside? What happens if I don't take this option? And I want it to explain to me, what if I don't? So that's what Paul's telling us here. He's telling us, okay, you've been set free. You have spiritual liberty. I have set you free to go and love one another. And the clever Christian says, yeah, but I don't have to. I don't have to. I'll still, get, I'll still make it to heaven. Let me say, there's a higher standard than just making it to heaven. And you're going to realize that as soon as you get there. I can still sin and make it to heaven. And Paul says, okay, but be careful. Verse number 15, the result of ignoring that one principle, if you bite and devour one another, in other words, if you choose to ignore or love one another, you're going to get eaten up. Take heed that you be not consumed one another. If you live your life biting people's heads off, you're going to get your head bit off. That's what he's saying. So be careful that you don't take too lightly the idea of love one another because, I mean, it's, it's what it's saying. It's going to come back and bite you. So don't take too lightly, all right, I've been set free and love one another, but I don't have to. No, you don't have to, but if you don't, it's going to eat you up. That's what judge not that you be not judged means. If you live your life a critic, you're going to be, you're going to be the focus of criticism. Verse number 16. Don't stay with me now because this is good. It's going good direction here. I'm taking you verse by verse. Verse 16, the lifestyle... That enables you to live that principle. Verse 16. This I say then. Walk in the spirit. And ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. 
Do, do you see the progression here? You've been set free. You have spiritual liberty. Don't use that liberty to go out and sin all you want to. Use that liberty to go out and serve other people. Here's one rule that will keep you serving other people. Love one another. Love thy neighbor as thyself. That covers the whole law when it comes to man. Now, if you choose to ignore that, which you can because you have liberty, if you choose to ignore that, you're going to chew people up, but people are going to chew you up too. If you choose to embrace it, how do you live there? None of us is good enough to live there. We're all weak. How do you live there? Walk in the Spirit. We're not even really primarily to focus on love one another. We're primarily to focus on walk in the Spirit. This is how we accomplish all of the above. This is how we accomplish love thy neighbor as thyself, which accomplishes fulfilling the whole law, which accomplishes fulfilling the purpose of spiritual liberty. It's all fulfilled with a lifestyle of walking in the Spirit. Now you say, Pastor, what is walking in the Spirit? Let me put it in a nutshell. Walking in the Spirit is being tuned into God, being tuned up by God, and being led by God. And it's a full-time occupation. That's why, by the way, it says walking because it's an every-step thing. Every step of your life should be walking in the Spirit. Tuned into God. We're all tuned into something at all times. Live tuned into God, tuned up by God. Because you're tuned into Him, He can keep you tuned up. Running on all cylinders spiritually. And then, when you're tuned into God and He keeps you tuned up, He can lead you. Led by God. Walking in the Spirit. If you're walking in the Spirit... You're going to do all the things that he just described. So you don't have to remember this complicated equation. You don't have to have this complicated checklist. Okay, am I keeping the whole law? Okay, am I loving one another? Am I? Nope. All you got to do is walk in the Spirit, and he will lead you to love other people. Amen. Let's keep going because his explanation here isn't, isn't done yet. Verse 17, the challenge of living that lifestyle. It says... The flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary, the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. Okay, what is your flesh? Smack yourself in the face and you'll feel what your flesh is. That's your natural appetites. And your natural appetites are constantly conflicting with your spiritual appetites. That's what verse 17 says. The one lusteth against the other. Your, your flesh wants to call the shots. God says your, your spirit through the Holy Spirit is supposed to call the shots, or he through your spirit is supposed to be calling the shots. And so there is a constant battle. Believers are the ultimate schizophrenics. We've got two natures, two voices constantly calling to it. That little Bugs Bunny thing. By the way, let me pay tribute to Bugs Bunny. Turned 75 years old this week. God bless him. And uh, this, the, the old Bugs Bunny cartoons, and I, probably every cartoon had this, you know, the, the uh, devil on one shoulder, the angel on the other shoulder, both whispering in their ear. And uh, 
that's funny and everything, but, the, but there, there's some truth to that for the believer. You've got an old nature that always wants you to do wrong, always wants you to indulge, always wants to make yourself look good, always wants to satisfy your pride and self. And you've got a new nature that wants to put God in control. You are schizophrenic. You've got two voices that are constantly screaming at you. So the challenge of living the lifestyle of walking in the Spirit, the challenge is that it's not just your spiritual... If all we had is a spiritual nature, which is, by the way, it's what we're going to have in heaven. Glory to God. No more conflict inside. Amen? But if all you had was that new nature, there'd be no challenge. You'd walk in the Spirit all the time. But you've got this, this flesh, this old nature that's constantly yelling at you, giving you contrary instructions. What, your new nature, when the Holy Spirit says do right, your old nature says, uh-uh, no. So there's the challenge or the conflict. Verse 17. But verse 18 is the liberty that's found in walking in the Spirit. Verse number 18. But if you be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Let me see if I can illustrate for you what this means. There's a, there's a verse in Exodus. This is, this is an example of the details of the law. There's a verse in Exodus that says, If you're walking down the road, and you see a donkey that has fallen into a ditch and he can't get out. And you look and we'll just say for the sake of understanding that he, he's branded. I don't think they used brands back then, but let's just say for sake of understanding that he's branded, that your neighbor has branded that donkey so that right away you recognize your neighbor's brand on that donkey. The law says you are required to get that donkey out of, the, out of the ditch there. It is your responsibility under the law to pull your neighbor's donkey out of the ditch. You're breaking the law if you don't. That's, that's an exodus. But God says you're set free from that law. Oh, okay. By the way, I realize that was a civil law. That was a law for Israel. But it's, it helps our understanding. We're not under that law. But... Love one another, that's for everybody. How many of you, your neighbor has a donkey? Anybody? Okay. How many of you, your neighbor has a dog? How many of you saw your neighbor's dog a half a block or a block or half a mile down the street, you'd recognize your neighbor's dog? Okay. How many of you saw your neighbor's dog half a block down the street and nobody was looking? You might, the car might swerve to hit him. But anyway, I don't want to know. But um, I think that, that's horrible, Carolyn. And if you got up and walked out right now and never came back, I would understand. That's horrible. She loves dogs. How could I even say such a thing? Um, but how many... No, I already answered that. Okay. So you see your neighbor's dog. We're, we're still in the donkey principle here. And you see your neighbor's And you know that dog is never off his leash. It never runs free. And now he's a half a mile away from, his, from, from, from home. And he's just, you know, going along, sniffing, whatever. You know, smiling at everybody. 
as it goes, but just smiling, and you go, that's, some, that, that's not right. And that, so now you have a question. Do I bring them back, or do I keep going? Now, you're not under the law. You know you're not going to get a ticket for not stopping and bringing the dog back. And unfortunately, that's where way too many of us live. What am I going to get in trouble for? God says, you're not going to get in any trouble if you don't bring that dog back. But you're living, as you're led of the Spirit, you're living by a higher law, a law that covers everything. If my dog got loose, would I want somebody to bring him back? Okay. So let me stop. Let me get him in the car. Let me bring him back. Why? Because the law says you have to? No, because I'm living by a law that covers the whole law. Love one another. So he says that you have been, you've been set free, you're at liberty, and this liberty sets you free from the law. Verse number 18. But if ye be led of the Spirit, you're not under the law, because you're living by a higher principle. Have you ever been in a place, it's a great place to be, where your personal standards for yourself are so high that it doesn't matter what the rules are, you're keeping them? Just because you're, you're living by your own principles that are higher than the standards of the institution that you're a part of. It's a great place to live. And that's what he's talking about here. If you're led of the Spirit, you don't have to worry about every little detail of Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Because you're going to automatically do it if you're led of the Spirit. Because the Spirit is going to lead you to live by love one another. Verse number 19. 19 through 24. In verses 19 through 24, God does us a wonderful favor. He gives us a measuring stick to help us know if we're walking in the Spirit. He doesn't name every sin under the sun, and He doesn't name every, un, every good quality under the sun. He simply gives you two really thorough samplings so that you can measure how you're doing at any given time to see whether I'm walking in the Spirit. When I take a long trip, which is about every other week, it seems, when I stop for gas, I also check the oil. Because I want to make sure we're doing okay. If for some reason I start losing oil or burning oil, I want to know about it. Because if I don't do something about it, you know, at the very least, I can, I, you know, if, I, if, I'm, if I'm leaking oil I, or, or burning oil, I can put a cord in every time I stop. But if I don't know about it, the engine can seize up. So what do I do? I stop, I pull that stick out, I look, and I, I measure the oil level to see how I'm doing. And God gives us these lists to help us measure, among other things, to help us measure how we're doing at walking in the Spirit. At any given time, on any given day, you can take stock and see my actions today, where would they go? All right, let's read the list and help you understand the measuring stick. First of all, verses 19 through 21, the works of the flesh. This is not a checklist. This is a measuring stick. 19 through 21. These are the works of the flesh. They're manifest. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, Lasciviousness, which is looseness. Idolatry, which is making other things God besides God. 
witchcraft, which is, which is uh, channeling in anybody but God. Be careful of who you channel, by the way. If you're channeling anybody but God, you're channeling Satan. That's why I don't even, I don't even play with those, you know, those eight balls with little, the little window and, you, and it turns and it comes up. I'm even real careful about fortune cookies. I, I eat it and I, I usually read it. But be very careful at reading a fortune cookie and go, ooh, ooh, I can't go out tonight because you're channeling something. Be very careful of channeling anything but God. Witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulate. I don't have time to, to go into each of these, but they, they sound bad. Even if you don't know what they mean, they sound bad, don't they? Wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I've told you in time past, they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. He's not saying if you ever commit one of these, you're going to hell. He's saying, don't forget, the, this is what the lost world, how they live. So don't be content to live there. That's what he's saying. Then here's the other measuring stick. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, Meekness, temperance, against such, there is no law. Now, have you ever wondered why that's, why, is that, why does it say that at the end of that verse? Against such, there is no law. Because everything on the flesh list breaks the laws of God. But if you're living the fruit of the Spirit, you're, you're never going to break the laws of God. Now, wait, we're never going to get to sinless perfection. He's just showing us two extremes. One extreme that constantly breaks God's law because you're following the flesh. And one, the other extreme, that never breaks God's law. So if you want to find out on any given day, how are my, how's my attitude today? Am I walking in the Spirit? Just check out these lists. Where does it go? And be honest to assess yourself. We're, we're very good at assessing others, but... but We've got to really humble ourselves before God to assess ourselves. Assess your own actions, assess your own spirit, and see where, where does this fit in. We, we're foolish in the way we read the Bible. If the Bible does not specifically name our sin, we think we're okay. Where did the Bible say, thou shalt not smoke pot? <laughs> really? <laughs> Instead of looking for the specific naming of your sin, look at the crowd. Here's a crowd of sins, and here's a crowd of actions, and here's another crowd of actions. Tell me, please, where, where, where uh, where where does smoke and pot fit? Which list does it fit into? You know, where does, you say, well, there's nothing to say about cursing here. But, but where does cursing fit into here? Well, it doesn't say anything about it. You can name all the things you want to. There were a lot of, lot of methods of sinning that weren't even created yet. But it's clear what list they fit on. So these lists help us to assess how we're doing. They give us a measuring stick. It shows me where I'm living right this minute. Where do my actions fit? 
Where do my attitudes fit? And I got to tell you, this is something I do all the time. Where's my joy level at? If I don't have joy, I'm not walking in the Spirit. I need to fix that. Where's my love level at? Where's my peace level at? But let me show you that I don't fix these things by trying to do... Okay? I don't fix my joy level by trying to have joy. I fix my joy level by going back and make sure I'm walking in the Spirit. I don't fix my love level by trying to love more. I fix my love level by going back and making sure I'm walking in the Spirit. That's what this is all about. Are you walking in the Spirit? Are you tuned into God? Are you tuned up, therefore, by God? And are you, therefore, led by God? Walking in the Spirit. And these lists help you assess how you're doing. They show me where I'm living right this minute. They show me the difference that God can make. If you don't have love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance today... You can have it. You can, you can begin to have it right now. You can begin to have it right now. By tuning into God, letting God tune you up, and letting God lead you. Walking in the Spirit. And God can and will change you. He shows you where you're at right this minute. He shows what you can have if you choose to walk in the Spirit. And these lists motivate me to walk in the Spirit. I'll tell you how a lot of believers, and I mean a lot of believers, live. We adapt to our surroundings. If we're in a fleshly atmosphere, we let the flesh get in the driver's seat. If we're in a spiritual atmosphere, we let the Spirit get in the driver's seat. And as soon as we get back in a fleshly atmosphere, the flesh is back in the driver's seat. We adapt too much. The Spirit of God should be in the driver's seat no matter what your circumstances are. And every believer is going to choose whether you're content to let the first list control or or characterize you or whether you're going to walk in the Spirit so that your life will be characterized by love Joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. I love everything on that list, but I'll tell you what, just the first three. I don't have to go past the first three to be highly motivated to walk in the Spirit. Love, joy, peace. How many people in this world lack those things? How many Christians sadly lack those things? So let's, let's, let's measure. Okay, what, how, how am I doing right this minute? Now I'm going through my day. Take a little breather from my work. You know, look away from that screen for a second or, or uh, whatever. I'm at a, a traffic light or, or whatever it is. Just take a breather for a second. Take a swig of the bottle of water or whatever. How am I doing spiritually right now? Have I been cranky? Which, which list do you think cranky is going to go on? Have I been strutting around the office with some kind of macho thing going on? 
Which list do you think Macho goes on? Have I been kind of kind of witchy? Which list do you think that's going on? It's, it's not hard. It's pretty black and white. Take an assessment. You know, I want to get back over here where the love and the joy and the peace. Because not only is that going to make me better, but, but that's going to keep me right with God because that keeps me loving one another, which covers the whole law, which helps me to... I'm doing what liberty was meant to do. And that's the place I want to be in. Now, look, the place we want to be in is being led by the Spirit. When you're led by the Spirit... Wow, I didn't realize how late it was. Well... We can't leave here without me telling you this story. So this, this is unbelievable. And as my prayer has been for the last couple of days, Lord, let me tell this story in a way that takes us all to the scene because this was incredible. Wednesday night service. We had a lot of singing as, as every service did. Brother Charlie said, all right, we're going to have our first, first preacher tonight. And his name is Paul Thomas. I never heard of this guy. I know everybody. Never heard of this guy. He started talking about Brother Ab Thomas, who I know him, very well-known Sunday school man. Been doing Sunday school for 50 years. He's written books. He's written all kinds of material. And Brother Ab Thomas has a son who has Down syndrome, an adult son, 32 years old, has Down syndrome. And he said, um, Brother Paul Thomas, is gonna, his, his father's going to tell us about him for a minute, and he's going to come and preach. And uh, right away, my old nature says to me, oh, this is a little bit of a gimmick kind of a thing. And uh, I, I shut that voice up, but I, that came to mind. Oh, this, this is a gimmick. The guy's got Down syndrome. We're going to let him come. This. I said, shut up, Joe. That's, that's not what's going on here. So, did you say that's right? You don't have a right to tell me to shut up. Only I have the right to tell me to shut up. But, uh, no, I'm just playing. Paul Thomas gets up. He preached, what, 15 minutes probably? Couldn't understand everything he said. They had a PowerPoint that gave you his major points as he talked. Oh, God was all over that young man. I'll tell you what. It just, and it wasn't just sympathy. It was, wow, he's got a heart for God. He's got a heart for God. That's amazing. He got done preaching. There was an altar call. A whole bunch of people went to the altar. I mean, it was, it, was, it was the hand of God. We went back to our seats and more music. Music. Uh, just solid rock, constant music, music, music. It's great. It's wonderful. It got done, and the, the person that I was expecting to preach was next. Well, Charlie said, all right, this man needs no introduction Pastor of uh, Lighthouse Baptist Church, Lemon Grove, California. Pastor Doug Fisher, come speak. How many of you have heard Brother Fisher before? Raise your hand. All right, that's, that's three-quarters of the crowd. For those of you that don't know him, Doug Fisher is a Marine. I mean, been out of the Marines for over 30 years, but he, he's a Marine. He was in recon. He was a drill instructor at Paris Island. He's a Marine. He's tough as nails. You don't want to cross him. He doesn't look at you. He looks through you. He just, he's a very stoic man. 
Brother Fisher gets up, and this is what, 30, 40 minutes after Paul Thomas has finished preaching. He gets up, and this man's man, Marine, preacher, is just crying. That's weird. I've never seen Brother Fisher cry. That's weird. And he, he's, he can't stop. And he says, I'm honored tonight to share the pulpit. He said, I've shared the pulpit with a, with a lot of preachers, but no greater honor ever than to share the pulpit with Paul Thomas. And he said this. He said, you helped me tonight, brother. He said, in a minute, you're going to understand why. And then totally flipped the page. No more emotion. He went to work, preached his message. Did something real unusual. He preached with a slide presentation. This is also not Brother Fisher. He's got pictures up there. In his backyard, Brother Fisher has a small vineyard. And it's, it's a hobby of his, and he, he's got that vineyard going back. So he's got these pictures of grapes, and he's preaching, as you can imagine, from John 15. And slide after slide. There had to be 40 slides. And it was great. It was powerful. Talking about bearing fruit, it was good. I am the vine, you are the branches. And he, he taught us some things about, about, uh, uh, about our relationship with God, about the church and so forth. And uh, then he says, let me show you the fruit. This is, this is, I mean, at this point, the message is getting close to an hour long, which Brother Fisher never preaches that long. I've never heard him preach that long. I get his podcast. He keeps Sunday morning at 30 minutes, which I have failed to do today, but he keeps Sunday morning at 30 minutes. He's not a lengthy preacher. He's getting close to an hour. And he's, going, he's showing some, some beautiful grapes. He said, now that's the fruit. He said, but let me show you the real fruit. He starts showing slides of his church, the congregation on their 30th anniversary. He shows a slide to their Spanish department. He shows a slide of, of uh, different aspects of the church. And I'm sitting there after an hour going, this is, this is good. Yeah, that's good. Praise the Lord. <laughs> hey, let me show you a picture of the most important fruit. He shows him and his wife and their kids, some of their grandchildren. Understand. This was prepared. This is the first time he's preached this message ever. This was prepared days and days in advance. Of all these pictures of his church and his family, this is the only slide that had only one person in it. He goes to the next slide, and I want to tell you, everybody in that building knew that God was in that room. Because the next slide was of his grandson, about three months old, all by himself, Down syndrome. Brother Charlie didn't know he had a grandson. In fact, brother, grandson with Down syndrome. In fact, Brother Charlie said later, he said, last week I had a text written out to another preacher to say, can you preach next Wednesday night? I had the text all written out, ready to press in, and I said, Lord, is this your choice? And God said, no. He said, I had no idea. Brother Fisher went over to where brother, the, the, the preacher, Paul Thomas, was sitting right in front of us. He went over 
to this side of the platform, he said, before tonight, I was just praying that my grandson would live. Before tonight, I was just praying that my grandson could have a normal life. He said, but start tonight, I'm going to pray that my grandson grows up and serves the Lord like you're serving the Lord. It's more than just there wasn't a dry eye in the house. There wasn't a person in that auditorium that didn't know that the Shekinah glory of God was in that room. God had orchestrated it. Nobody involved knew. He had never met Ab Thomas. He didn't know who Ab Thomas was. He kept calling him Abe. Brother Abe, he didn't know who he was. There was no connection between anybody. Nobody knew all these details. God put it together. And this is what can happen when you're led of the Spirit. Don't you want to live there instead of Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry. I'm not preaching against those sins this morning. I'm preaching for living in the flesh. I'm living in the spirit, walking in the spirit, instead of settling for the works of the flesh. There's a better way to live, Christian. It's called walking in the spirit. Let's stand together this morning.